0: everyone i'm victoria shepherd and this is the happy henry's woof you podcast where we get to find out a little bit about the people around us who work play or know something about dogs from the benign to the bizarre i want to talk to anyone about anything dog related and share stories or useful information that will not just inform but also entertain and possibly inspire you Although I've mentioned this in my previous episode, as a reminder, as most of my clients know, my original goal with Happy Henry's was to create a safe space for all dogs, where they and their owners could reap the rewards of being clean. As I have a very pessimistic dog myself, I like to call him complex. I know how difficult it can be when dogs have struggles being in certain environments. In this episode, the second episode, I'm sitting down with Sue Williamson. Sue has a range of experiences and qualifications, which has enabled her to improve the emotional welfare of dogs during grooming. She has a diploma in dog grooming, Tellington T-Touch practitioner, holds an ISCP diploma in canine behavior, silver certification in low stress handling, and is an approved Kids Around Dogs instructor. Sue has also written three books combining her knowledge to educate others in benefits of low-stress grooming. She has a Facebook group, Taking the Gur. that's G-R-R-R, out of grooming dogs, which provides help and support to guardians and groomers, as well as an educational portal, which can be found at www.takingthegur.co.uk. Sue is now one of the leading voices in improving the grooming welfare of dogs. Hello, Sue. Hi, Victoria. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. My gosh, that was a bio and a (laughs) half.
1: It's a a mouthful, (laughs) isn't it?
0: You have so much experience and training. I love it. Thank
1: you. You never never stop learning. And What I have learned um, in the last seven or eight years is that the more you learn, the less you actually know. I know. I know. It's crazy.
0: But, you know, one of my favorite sayings at the moment um, that I actually stole from Tom Mitchell, and I say to a lot of my clients when they turn up with dogs is, you don't know what you don't know. And when you do know, you do better. Let's go over the basics so that we can um, help people. What I want to do is, you know, spread the word about what consent-based grooming is. Um, so in layman
1: terms, Sue, how would you describe consent-based grooming? Okay, so I never know what to call it because some people call it fear-free grooming, others call it low-stress grooming, cooperative grooming, a holistic grooming. So already we've got lots of language floating around of, around consent-based grooming. So nobody really understands what it is because we have such a hard time in putting a label on it. So what consent-based grooming is in in, in my terms is that um, I give the dogs choices. So uh, for most of the dogs I groom uh, have been referred to me from other groomers, uh, behaviorists, vets, trainers, that they uh, really struggle with the grooming process. So they may have bitten another groomer. Uh, they may have, you know, fainted because they're so stressed. Um, so I get all the, this really grooming sensitive dogs. So the technique I use most often, which is a consent based technique is what I call table protocol. So before I start grooming any dog, I teach them that when they're on the table, that's when grooming is going to take place. when they get off the table grooming stops. so they have a choice and they have the consent is them getting onto the table. Now mm-hmm. when I first started using um, consent based what well, I what well, I refer to as consent- based grooming, it was after I'd been to a workshop with Shrag Patel and he demonstrated the bucket game. So when the we teach the dogs that when they're looking at the bucket grooming takes place when they look away from the bucket it stops um and i did use i did use that on a few dogs but i was finding i was missing um i was finding it difficult to watch whether they were looking at the bucket or not and whether they were looking away from the bucket so it was really bit hit and miss whether i was timing right uh but then i my friend taught me about um map protocol so having a mat on the floor, if the dog's on the mat, grooming takes place. When they move off the mat, grooming stops. And I actually thought, you know what? They'll never get back on the mat. You know, they've got if they're given a the choice, they won't get back on the mat. So uh I was already grooming a lady's Maltese pup. Um and again, I was already stop, – I uh, stopped using restraints, you know, the, the, the safety restraints. I have stopped using those a, a lot.
0: But sometimes uh, it is – sometimes a certain amount of restraint can actually be a calming, of ha- actually act as a calming. If the dog has been used to them previously, if we – sometimes it just helps the dog stay calmer. I've, I've noticed, and it obviously depends upon the
1: dog. What do you find? absolutely depends on the dog what i did find that when i stopped using because for for a start i didn't go straight from using no restraints to nothing what i did i switched from using a collar and belly strap to using a petite harness and i found a lot of dogs coped much better and i think it's because a lot of dogs that i groom already wear a harness so it's something familiar um and also, I found it gives them more more uh, ability to move around because they've only got one strap going up to the H bar, so they can move around a lot more. It gives them a lot more freedom, it takes any pressure off the neck, but it gives them that support. Yeah, because it's that encasement. So it's it's probably um, yes. I, I think for some dogs that are used to wearing a harness it gives them something familiar so that was the first move i made was to stop using a collar safety aid and the belly strap and used a harness and all all the dogs i used that on automatically caught were better than having the two safety restraints on and but it also gave me the security of that if they did jump off the table or tried to jump off the table they've got something to save them but I also thought that actually using a harness is much better because if they do try and jump off the table and they manage to jump off the table, they're not gonna get the neck, the next can not going get damaged because the, the harness spreads the weight more. The, the mm-hmm. first session I have with the dogs I groom because again, the bit as I said, they've been referred to me because they've got negative uh, association with grooming. So, I don't want them yes. to walk in and the first session me bends all over them, reminding them of that's what you come into grooming salon for. So, they get to do ACE free work every session, the first session. So, that's lots of different services, things like snuffle mats, uh licky mats, screwed up towels, and they get different treats on each one. So, that's all they do the first session. And that gives them the time for that multi sensory processing. So, So they can get used to the textures in the salon. How does the floor feel? How does the floor sound? Uh, The noises of the table going up and down and the bath going up and down, the dryer, uh, the general noises, the smells in the salon. They get used to me and the smell of me without me being Mm hands-on. So it already starts to build their confidence because they can explore in a safe environment. Yes. Knowing that I'm not going to, Walk straight over them pick them up and put them onto the table the next step i take is to teach them to get on and off the table themselves so i've got a little set of caravan steps and i always sit down when i'm grooming anyway so my table's fairly low so big dogs can probably actually just get on and off but i always teach them to use the caravan steps to get on and off the table so that's the first teaching i actually do for them is to get on and off the table And like you, I make the table a really rewarding place to be. So they get treats on the table. They get strokes and fuss on the table if they want it. Right. Not every dog (laughs) enjoys being fussed. Um, And once they're confident getting on and off the table, that's when I start to teach them that actually when you're on the table, I'm going to touch you, I'm going to brush you, I'm going to clip you and I'm going to dry you if you can cope with it there are other techniques i use as well for the ones that find the dries really difficult i use desensitization counter conditioning uh, but basically on the table you they know they're going to get some grooming done when they can't cope anymore you know when they need a break they can get off but i found that as we progress through the sessions the more and more sessions and the more they know that they can get off when they've had enough, they don't need to get off anymore. Yes. So i have got dogs that don't get off the table throughout the groom. So, so um, have you heard or do you use
0: forward focus protocol? Um, in that I where I teach the owners this game on their first when they come to me for puppy sessions but also um work with the dog on the game of they get to focus and it, it's on on um, a high value reward and to start off with there's no touching involved it's there's a bowl and you have a really high value reward in that bowl and you get the dog to look at the bowl and then you release give them a release word, okay, go. Um and the dog, the end result is that I have had dogs come in who are very as soon as they're being touched, they may, if they're young dogs, adolescents especially, their mouths often get involved. Um, <laughs> so, but with the forward focus protocol, uh the forward focus game that I do I build it up so that they're looking and they are predicting the reward. And while sounds they are like, looking, yeah.
1: yeah it um, sounds a bit
0: like the bucket game, doesn't it? An adaptation yeah. of the bucket game. So they are looking at that and I'm able to, for uh, Henry's now, I can do all of his nails, dremel them. And after each paw, I release him forward. Um, and he gets to run towards it so that that also helps with the pressure release. Yeah. And if he comes back, I know we're having a conversation and he's yeah. in the game with me. Um I found and even students of my students who come to me um have said that they've been able to go out into the big bad world sort of thing with their dogs into the real world and use the same techniques. Um Focus on here while someone's scratching your bum and going to stick a needle in it. Um, yeah. And it makes things a lot easier.
1: Yeah. I must admit, I've not tried that. but I will I, share I, that with you if you like. Yes. And when you come on and do a webinar for me, you can d- demonstrate that one because that sounds like it might work. I, I think it's, it's I've, I've
0: had a yeah. lot of success from it. Um, yeah. And again, it's thanks to Tom Mitchell and BehaveVet um he's done um an amazing vet handling workshop but the skills also
1: um work with grooming situations yeah well they're so transferable aren't they you know it's so yeah. similar of and vet the, handling and grooming and with the
0: consent side of it um i i for, for it to be true consent um if the dog decides to move away from the situation I actively reward them for going away um so that it's not just oh well if you come to me you get a reward um if they if they tell me they're uncomfortable then I also do reward them for that because um I think for true consent it's probably it's got to be a two-way
1: two-way stream right yeah and that's what I, when I, when I'm training them to get on and off the table, they get rewarded for getting off the table as well. So they know that actually all the rewards doesn't just happen on the table. Some happens on the floor as well. Yeah. Um... So sometimes, I you know, for some dogs, I'll have a snuffle mat on the floor so that when they get off the table, they can go to the snuffle mat and have a snuffle around there to see what's in there as well. So it's not like all the treats stop when they're on the, ta- get off the table. Yes. So it's, it's well, one thing you can, you know, um,
0: with the forward focus protocol, and you were talking about how when you were doing the bucket game, it was difficult to keep an eye on the dog. Yeah. Um, I have started introducing a treat and train. After we've taught them the forward focus game, we do we start building them up with the treat and train so that you can do the thing and then press the re, the button and
1: release them to the reward so that might be something that i've actually got one oh, and it is something i've thought about and i keep thinking i must train yeah, start with mine and then it does use ta- that yes as
0: well. and that's it i think it is it's not a quick process um sometimes the dogs can pick it up but it does require patience Um, and participation from the owners, I think. Um, but it's also doesn't require a lot of time, if that makes sense. So like every day, I always say to my, my customers that the best time to do it is when you're boiling the kettle in the morning. It's part of something that you're waiting for anyway, right? Yeah. so So you're not doing anything else. So for that two minutes you know whether it's 30 seconds or 2 minutes if your dog is engaged do something in the way of handling with them um yep. do you have any what do you what kind of little tips do you have to get your owners on board to actively working on this at home
1: okay so i'm i'm in extra in an extremely lucky position because when uh dogs come to me i'm usually their last chance to loom before they um have to have a sedated vet. Yeah. Lift-offs. So I do find that the the most of the dogs I groom, their guardians are on board and know they're going to have to do work at home. Oh, you're so because, lucky. Yes, I know. And I, I that's probably one of the biggest bonuses I've got over a lot of people that want to do consent-based grooming because I am last chance saloon, you know, so they know if they don't, it doesn't work with me it's going to be a vet sedated clip-off because I'm not going to push a dog over its threshold just to get the, the dog clipped right. off. So um so mostly I um I always teach them about um uh, map protocol and I teach a lot of them I would say before I use map protocol I actually teach them about trust brushing because I found that that's they get that a lot more quickly. Mm-hmm. So trust brushing is uh it is consent based because the, the way you start this and this is a really good way for most people to start consent grooming so if you've got a dog that is not keen on being brushed and you pick the brush up and the dog runs into the other room the best thing to do is actually not to start with a brush and it's to start with uh something inconspicuous so it might be a makeup brush, it might be a spo- a little sponge. Um, it might be just a little bit of a flannel, you know, a little bit of cloth. and you start by stroking them when the, you know when you're both settle in the evening. Don't do it when your dog's frantically wanting to play. Do it when you're both in that time, because we all have times when we're just sitting quietly watching TV. Um, and just get your inconspicuous item. And do a couple of strokes. Watch your dog's body language? So you need to know about body language. So look for those calming signals such as the lip licking, the yawning, the whale eye, um, paw lifts, uh, anything that sort of you understand that the dog's not enjoying what you're doing. And if, say, you're stroking this bit of item down the leg and they start to yawn. In in a way that you know it's the not enjoying it, then you stop. Now, how do if you haven't got
0: experience in behaviour, um, and a lot of the time, it's it's you really have to be a thousand percent aware of your dog. Those the lit, very little signals, aren't they? Um, yes. So, they can um, how can we encourage street. people to? Um, Observe their dogs. I mean, I think that's all. It's it's. It, how do we get them on board to actually okay. checking their dogs out more?
1: Yeah. So if they do buy my book, the Guardian's version, it is uh, taking the girl out of grooming your dog. There is a chapter on body language, which tells you what signs to look for. So it's really important that we start to pay more attention to our dogs. To know what's they're enjoying, to know what's oh, I'm not actually quite sure about that because it's it's communi- all all body language is communication. Mm-hmm. So I would say this to groomers as well. So that dog on the grooming table that's growling at you, that's communication. That's not aggression. That's communication. It's saying, look, I'm I really can't cope with this. Please stop. And that's when you get to the next stage where they've said, sorry, it's too much You need and you need to stop. If you don't stop, that's when they're going to start snapping at you. Yes. And biting is communication as well. It's just saying, I've had enough. I'm not having it anymore. Yes. I don't let them get to the growling stage because I want them to. So <laughs> when a dog's giving me uh, calming signals, a paw lift is one. If I'm doing something and they lift the paw, I'll always stop what I'm doing and change what I'm doing. So if I'm clipping them in the lift a paw, I'll step back, not step back, but, you know, I'll stop what I'm doing and wait for them to put the paw back down. And then I might try the scissors instead to see if the scissors is easy. And it might be just I've got some dogs that I can clip the back end fine, but I can't use the clippers around the chest or the front legs. So it might just be assessing Using a different technique for just part of the groom, but I don't want the dogs to get to the growl stage because I've already pushed them over the their threshold. So I want to stop when they're doing the the quiet signs, which is things like the paw lift, the lip licking, the yawning, the um, the wail eye where you can see the white of their eyes, the looking away, because I don't want them to get near. growling because i want to build interest i've been bitten um five times in seven years and they've all all been minor bites where the skin's not really even been broken and each time it's been my fault because i've missed something yeah i think it is usually our fault (laughs) yeah or the, the last time i got bit was nearly two years ago and i got cocky um somebody bought a dog in that had previously been that had to muzzled for claws and I'd done three legs and I went to do the four. Oh fourth you know, one. yeah,
0: you've got that like just one more.
1: Just 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 one more. Just one more. Yeah. Just, and it just it just whipped round and nipped. It's me. so easy to do. Yes, though. I shouldn't have I shouldn't have tried that fourth claw, that fourth paw. And but i got further than anybody else evermore, but I just missed.
0: Yeah. I, I sometimes when you've when you've got done really well with a dog and um, that's come a long way and 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 then you you've got you've you've managed to clip them, you've managed to do three legs, and then you get to that one. And I really have to now say to myself, Okay, you're gonna call the owner now, and the dog is done and have them come back to do that for because you know that if you just just one more and then that's and then you can but then then you can go backwards and end up the dog
1: regressing so it's a it's a fine balancing act right it certainly is and it's so frustrating sometimes the only time I will push a dog a little bit further than I'm happy with is if they've got if the need to do that bit of the groom is more important or pressing Hi there. Just a reminder that
0: you're listening to the brand new Woof You podcast, a Happy Henry's production where we love to talk about anything dog. In addition to the Happy Henry's website, the Woof You podcast is now available to download and stream, rate and review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and Spotify. Now back to my conversation with Sue Williamson. Happy listening. Um, Sue, you've done a lot of studying yourself with regards to grooming and behavior. And more recently, you have introduced your own courses that are done through the Taking the Guru website. Um, I'm signed up for one of them. Can you tell me
1: a little bit about those courses that you're offering? Okay, so... The reason i've set up this latest project uh which is the approved professionals course is because one of my big passions amongst lots of other stuff (laughs) is to get puppies ready for grooming because there's just so many puppies that are having bad grooming experiences and it's not because the groomers are being rough with the puppies It's just that the puppies aren't being prepared by guardians. Now, the reason guardians are not preparing the puppies is because they don't know how.
0: They don't know what
1: they don't know. They don't know what they don't know. So we can't be... Nobody really is to blame. It's just... It is what it is. So what I'm wanting to do is bring in on board trainers and behaviourists that can teach the guardians how to prepare their dogs, their puppies to be groomed. Great. So that's, that is my rationale for doing this. And why, why, why um, is it? um,
0: Because I actually do teach workshops through Castle Canines, um, which is a dog trainer, Kelly Rickards in Stafford. And when she does puppy classes and For her kennel club classes, you have to, I understand you have to meet a certain criteria or a certain level of teaching your students um, certain aspects of grooming and handling. So I actually go and do one of her classes now where we talk about, you know, tips around handling and getting the puppies into a grooming salon. And it doesn't have to be my salon, it can be any grooming salon. As soon as they've had their vaccines done, and even if it's just for a sniff around, um, um, and and so, I think it's it's extremely important, especially for the, the 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 poodles or the poodle mixes, those dogs that are going to be living in the grooming salon um, for the rest of their lives, um, and if we can make it easier for the owners to take care of their dogs. The dogs are going to be happier and the groomers are ultimately going to be happier,
1: right? The groomers are going to love you.
0: I mean, that's it. And I, I don't mind if after the six sessions, the puppy session, the puppy introduction package, that if they do go to another groomer, but at least we know that that dog has been gradually exposed and got the skills to deal with what's coming and they are not completely overwhelmed so when you do puppy packages sue how many sessions do you do what do you do
1: (laughs) so is it that question as you know is going to be it depends so i would say most puppies um my basic package is for the buy package of four sessions but it's rare i do a full groom by the fourth session so i i i've got a five-step approach so my five-step approach is the first uh, step is to make sure they can come into my salon and do ace free work which is all the different services and and that's that's all i want them to do on the first step is get to know my salon that the safe in my salon the second step is for them to get used to me handling them so whether that's um just stroking them or doing a little bit of light brushing if they're okay with me <clears throat> excuse me handling them then i'll teach them to get on and off the table the third session is starting to introduce all the different noises. So I and surfaces. So I may put them in the bath and switch the water on, watch their reaction to that water. I'll switch the clippers on whilst they're doing free work, because if they can't if they can't cope with the noise of the clippers while they're doing free work, they're definitely not going to cope <laughs> yeah, with no, it when no. they're not doing free work. <laughs> and again, I switch the dryer on whilst they're doing free work to watch their reaction. So that's step three. Um, and I don't move on to the next step. So they might do step three appointments three or four times. Obviously, if if they can't tolerate the clippers or the dryer, I'll be setting homework.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So uh, showing the guardians how to desensitise with a toothbrush and with their own air dryer. Step four is popping them in the bath and just wetting them. So I'm not putting any shampoo at this point because I don't want a, a slippery wet shampooed dog. And then they hamburger. freak out, right? <laughs> We've all been there, done that <laughs> and got the soaking wet t-shirt for it. And then dry. You know as dry as much as we can without overwhelming them and then the next one is the next step is a full groom so as I say some some puppies have to do one of some of the steps three or four sessions but i am not going to groom a puppy um they'll do a full groom if they're not ready for it Especially, now Let me,
0: I'm going to pay devil's advocate now because um, I'm an owner that, that, that sounds really expensive, Sue. So I've come to you for my package and I bought my four and then now we find out the, the dogs can't handle the full groom yet and I want my dog to look really pretty. So what, how much is it going to cost me or what do I, you know, how long is it going to take? Am I ever going to be able to get my dog
1: groomed? Okay yes you are going to get yourself your dog groomed um and joe blogs down the road will do that for you <laughs> as harsh as that might sound i'm still not going to groom your dog to perfection if your puppy's not ready for it i know that's the cop out however if you do the work of term that i set you and you come on regular appointments then i might be able to get when your dog is eighteen months old, you may be able to have that perfectly styled dog. <laughs> now that 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 magical number of eighteen
0: months old. 18 months. There we go. So now the next thing we should talk about then is <laughs> I that. Don't know what
1: you to talk yeah, about? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: you said the eighteen months, but I know. obviously <laughs> that's a that's a, a, a flexible number. But what happens to adolescent dogs? Sue? <laughs> That have been, I mean, and I have been doing this at the moment with Stanley, but from they've been so great with grooms and then suddenly they get to 10, 12,
1: 18 months. And what happens, Sue? It's adolescence and it can start a lot younger than 10 months. It can start for five months with some dogs. Everything you've done, it just goes straight out the window. Boom. <laughs>
0: and it, it is a known fact. And I think that a lot of people and owners do not realise that dogs can go through a second fear stage when they have that injection of hormones. Can you tell yeah. me a bit about that?
1: Okay. So there's lots going on when they reach adolescence, when they start going through that adolescent stage. There's lots going on. Um, I think that's why they go through the second fear stage because all of a sudden... Nothing is the same. So they may, I don't know whether you know this or not, but a lot of dogs when they eat adolescents, their bones grow at different paces. So the back legs grow quicker than the front legs. So all of a sudden they've lost their balance because the bodies push forward slightly, just because even a millimeter difference can front load them a little bit more. So their balance is a little bit ooh.
0: It's, it's like having a this. pebble
1: in your shoe, right? It is, yeah, it's yeah. just that little bit of extra height in the back end just just changes the perspective. Uh, think about the difference between wearing a flat pair of shoes and a pair of shoes with just a little heel. Oh, forget about it! I can't wear yeah, heels anymore. Don't, I, I've got a pair of heels on at the minute, so <laughs> I'm breaking them <laughs> in for the wedding next week. So, so yes, yeah, so that some dogs also get very touch sensitive as they're going through all. Through the hormonal changes like humans do you know think of that teenage boy that doesn't want touching anymore up his dog they're just the same so all of a sudden they're getting more touch sensitive uh the brain connections the brain networks are all breaking and making new network connections which is why they don't understand some of the commands that we've taught them because those connections have gone and no one's being made, and that's why we have to go right back to basics when so we're doing puppy training, training with adolescent dogs. Um, and it's
0: not that we're being difficult or the dogs are being difficult really. that, when, when we have to say, you know what, we have to go back to basics. Um, and it can be frustrating for an owner, right?
1: Yeah, they put all this work in, now it's gone out the window. It's all and your fault. you've got to do it all again. yes it's all my fault (laughs) but the thing is i i like to prepare my own my guardians that this is going to happen when they get to adolescence some of this is going to go backwards so we've got the 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 bones growing at different paces which will also um cause discomfort as well you know we know that children yeah children get growing pains um the network brain network connections are all going berserk, they're all lights and switching on and off. Uh touch sensitivity. Um they um the the second fear stage and which I think is just a combination of all these these different changes. They've got the hormone range range ranging through the body that they've got no idea these hormones are or what these sensations are. And then we've got I mean if we think back to our 13 you know like that there's some pretty stressful time oh, it certainly is and they don't know what's going on we can't explain to them you know for bitches they you know they start their seasons we know how uncomfortable that can be and how that can affect our moods but we expect dogs to be in the same perfect mood all the time <laughs> i know poor things.
0: (laughs) Now, listen, what I want to do is I've had a question in from somebody and um, I'd love to ask your thoughts. I want to talk about the big C that has happened recently in the dog world. You yourself were at Crufts recently. Yeah. And there are a lot of controversial um, opinions flying around at the moment um, as to you know is crufts or an or an event like this good for dogs welfare and there's so you go there um and with with all this conversation and i went as well um conversation around animal welfare emotional well-being
1: where do you sit, what are your thoughts on crufts and why do you go reason i go is because it's a fantastic networking opportunity okay completely selfish reasons but i also uh, whenever i do go i always make sure i work on a stand for one day i only do two days i never do more than two days i always do once one, one On an educational stand. So the last couple of years... So you are spreading the word. Yeah. So the last couple of years, I've worked on the Kids Around Dogs stand. So I'm educating people, uh, potentially with children, that how to um, talk to the children about how they should be acting around dogs. So that's my justification of going, that I'm educating. I avoid the show areas... I have to shut my eyes to some of the handling that goes on. But saying that, I've had a few friends this year um, that I know through hoopers that have qualified for the show, and their handling skills are absolutely lovely. But I know when that dog walks out out of the show ring, they're going to go and do hoopers or they're going to do agility. So they're what I call proper dogs that show (laughs) rather than show the dogs that just show so there is a flip side to it as well but i i have been i was really impressed this year the amount of positive trainers there was i noticed in. that as well so there was victoria still um the adpt had got a stand there was a couple of others and then we've got stands like pet remedy the two and we've got andy hale on pet remedy and Ann selwyn educating people about the dog's emotional experience. So there is a change. I think the Kennel Club need to do a lot um, to improve Crufts even more. I would like to see less dogs actually go to Crufts. So, you know, have more elimination rounds. So only the 10 best of each breed have to go to Crufts because in in my head I, I, I may be a bit simple but I can't see how a dog that's really stressed can perform in the show ring. Well I suppose some some in
0: there they do they don't just go to Crufts right they have they have been no, they, they they have to qualify and so they are going to events that are similar not as frenetic probably but that could be the argument from the people that go and show that those dogs are experienced in it. So so they're not being
1: thrown in completely at the deep end. No. But you know and I know that there's a lot of dogs that go to Crufts that it's totally the wrong environment for them.
0: Yes. And I I think what I found, um, which I didn't realise until this visit, was that – The dogs, the show dogs, when they go, they arrive at 7.30 in the morning. And even if they competed or did their class in the morning, they can't leave until 4 o'clock. And so, um, yes, you can walk around with a dog that's registered at Crufts, but most dogs have to stay in their crate all day. Um, and I, I think that, that could potentially, I, I, you know, you're right, as you say, some dogs, it's they're great and it, they're comfortable in that environment. Other dogs, it's it must be quite difficult
1: and their buckets are probably quite full. Oh, gosh. I, I actually had a handler ticket this year. I managed to get a handler ticket. And somebody says, oh, you're taking one of your dogs. Absolutely not. <laughs> I think <laughs> I Henry would lose that- it. I've got two that one would have had a nervous breakdown before she even got into the building. <laughs> Talis would have just had, he would have been in fool around all day. He would have been a nightmare. Sheik would have absolutely loved it, but I wouldn't have got anywhere because she'd just want to stop interviewing all the all potential owners. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So in my book, it would have been full if I took Sheik. So, yes, some dogs... Could cope in that environment, but I think there's a lot that go that actually have really bad time. But as you say, you go and you
0: are spreading the word and if we can do a little bit to help improve things, um, it's one dog or one owner at a time. Exactly, yes. Mm -hmm. So I am going to post... In the information for this episode, All your contact information and your website, if people want to get in touch or have any questions. Um, I do highly recommend that any owners and groomers that are interested in finding out a bit more about consent-based, fear-free, low-stress grooming, that they do check out the Taking the Grr Out of Dog Grooming Facebook page, and that is GRRR. Um and it's it's a great um network to be a part of to learn skills. I do give Sue's uh puppy grooming book out with the puppy packages that we do at happy henry's and um but I have one more question for you, Sue, before you go. If you were a dog, what yep.
1: breed would you be, and why? Oh, that's a difficult one um I actually think I'd be a, probably be a poodle. <laughs> I like my creature comforts. <laughs> Although saying that that not all poodles are Are you so... gobby
0: like my poodle?
1: <laughs> no, actually I've got I've got two mini poodles and they're t- they're and cheese. They're not alike. you couldn't say that they're both true to the breed. Uh, but I'm small. I'd probably be a miniature boot because I'm quite small. But no, I'd, I'd actually probably be something like a book because I'm quite short <laughs> and stocky.
0: <laughs> and determined. <laughs> determined, yes. <laughs> I like That's that. question. <laughs> short, stocky and determined. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, listen, thank you so much for coming on to yeah, the Woofie You podcast. It's been a pleasure and I'm looking forward to... Doing one of your webinars in the near future. And many thanks to you, listeners, for joining me for this episode of the Happy Henry's Woof You podcast. Woof You is hosted and produced by me, Victoria Shepherd. You can find the Woof You podcast on Happy Henry's website happy-henrys.co.uk, where you can stream and download episodes as many times as you like. It's also available at Apple Podcasts and Spotify now. So please do subscribe, review and rate until your fingers and paws fall off. The only way I'm going to improve what I do for you is to get your feedback. I want you to enjoy listening and it would be actually be fun. To find out that it's not just my 84 year old father tuning in. I do love you, Dad. If you have any questions or suggestions for future topics or discussions of people I can meet from anywhere, the power of technology, reach me through the website or our Facebook or Instagram pages at Happy Henry's Dog Wash. Thanks again, Sue, for joining me. Welcome. And I'll be back in a few weeks with another guest and this time we are talking vegan.